Glad you're here today. My name is Nathan. This is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, it's first our first. Uh, it's the first day of the year from the Christian calendar perspective. The Christian calendar doesn't end at the end of December; it ends at the end of November. And so this is the new year. This is the first Sunday of the new year, first Sunday of Advent, when the story that is told through Scripture begins with the anticipation of the coming Messiah. And it's also a fifth Sunday, which is a full family worship day for us. So we've got everybody together, which is super. We're going to begin Advent together as a full church family, and we're going to end it together on December 23rd, which is our Christmas Eve Eve gathering. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If there's, um, we'll put the scripture on the screen, guys. Thanks for that. But if there are folks that need um, notes pages, would you raise your hand? There's some fill in the blanks in the notes. I thought it might be helpful for kids to have those. Also, if there are baskets near your chair um, and you can hand those down today, that would be helpful. There should be pens in there or if you're new and would like to hand off your contact information, we can stay connected with you that way. Finally, I will collect those, those cards later. We created these bookmarks, which I hope you'll grab. The Advent season is about a four-week season. It's a great opportunity for families, for your household, um, to intentionally engage in a season of preparation together uh, by praying together or reading scripture together. This is often is a challenging thing for us to do. Many of us value it, but have a hard time consistently Um, staying engaged in some kind of a family Bible reading experience throughout the year. So the hope is that potentially you could do this or engage in this during some of the main seasons of the year, like Advent. So we've placed scripture readings on this bookmark. There's five per week. You can start tomorrow. And um, I encourage you to read the scripture together at at dinner or maybe at breakfast before school and, um, and say a prayer together. And as a family, engage in the anticipation of the coming King. And then as, uh, the, as the season goes on, I'll offer some reflections on these scriptures, and both online and then in our sermons, all right? <clears throat> Great. So guys, uh, I am so glad that you who are normally in Emmaus Kids Ministries are here with us today, and I'm going to try my best to preach to you, the little kids, and hope that the adults uh, will be able to keep up with us, all right? Good. So let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. A long time ago, there was a great kingdom but it was in conflict. It was, a, it was a kingdom in conflict, a whole lot of war and division happening. Part of the kingdom was called Israel, and it had already been taken over and destroyed by another country. The other part of the country was called Judah, and it was under serious threat. There were pressures from inside and pressures from outside. People were trying to take over this part of the kingdom as well. So at this time, God called a messenger to speak to the kingdom of Judah. He was a prophet, and his name was Isaiah. Can you say Isaiah? Very nice. Isaiah warned the people of Judah to return to God. He also instructed the people of Judah on how to follow God. And then when times became especially troubled... When their days were especially dark and they were especially scared, Isaiah comforted the people. This is what God said to Isaiah to tell the people. He said, comfort, comfort my people. Can you say that with me? Comfort, comfort my people. Have you ever needed somebody to comfort you? Have you ever needed somebody to make you feel better? A couple of you, right on. When one of our kids was little... I mean really little, just learning to talk. 
and they'd fall down and scratch their knees or something like that. They'd toddle over to us and they'd raise their hands and they'd say, feel me better? <laughs> yeah. When you get hurt, when you get into trouble, when you experience hard times, when the future looks scary, when it's uncertain, you're not sure what's going to happen next, when you're afraid or when you're angry or when you're upset, people will often try to make you feel better. And usually people will try to say something to make you feel better. And sometimes that helps. But when you're really hurting, like when it's an especially hard time, or you're really sad, or you're especially scared, most of the things that people try to say to make you feel better sound hollow and empty. A lot of times the advice that we give to people, the words that we say to people, when we're in our hardest times, uh, they're meant to help, but they're actually not helpful. They're meant to take away the pain, but the words can actually become hurtful. There's a lot of counterfeit comfort that's being offered to people today. There's a lot of empty words. There's a lot of silly solutions that are being held up and offered to people who are in a lot of pain. People will say stuff like this. They'll say, if you just buy this toy, you're going to feel better, right? That's what they'll say. Or they'll say, if you just look like this, you won't ever be sad again and everybody will like you, right? Or they'll say, if you just win this game, you'll be awesome and everything will be great in life. And to a certain degree, things like that do make us feel better, but they make us feel better for a short time. And that's kind of the trick. That's kind of the deceptive part of it. There's a lot of things that make us feel better for a short time. Really, really late last night, I had a piece of cake, and it made me feel better for like three minutes. <laughs> but that was a really short time, and then I didn't feel very good at all, like for the rest of the night. When God tells Isaiah to comfort Comfort my people. Isaiah compares people and their things to grass and flowers. Isn't that interesting? He says people are like grass and their stuff is like flowers. In other words, it goes away really fast. It withers and falls. In other words, it doesn't last. He says grass withers, flowers fall. But then he compares grass and flowers to something very strong something that lasts forever. He says, but the word of our God endures forever. In other words, when everybody around Isaiah the prophet is looking for comfort, is looking for something to feel them better, right? To make them feel better. And they're looking to all this stuff and they're looking to all these people. Isaiah says, here is your God, Isaiah 40 verse 9. Here is your God. And he's saying, look to God for comfort. It's a simple message, but it's one that we resist all of the time. Look to God for your comfort. And then Isaiah paints this really beautiful picture with words. This is what he says. God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Let's read this together. Can you see it on the screen? Let's read it. God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So he paints a word picture. And I think that what Isaiah had in mind when he was speaking to the people was a picture something like this. God who would come and pick up and carry his people like a lamb close to his heart and take care of them and make them feel better. 
Now, second half of the story, are you ready? 800 years later, long after the, king that, uh, the kingdom that Isaiah spoke to had been destroyed and was gone, God called another prophet to speak to the people, and his name was John. And John was a baptizer. People would come to John because they were returning to God, and they wanted him to baptize them in water. Now, many people were coming to John looking for comfort, but here's the thing. They were tired of the counterfeit solutions that had been offered to them for a long, long time. They were tired of the unhelpful help. They were tired of the hollow and empty words that had been spoken to them. They were coming to John looking for deeper, truer comfort, hoping for something that would last, something that would endure, something that wasn't like the grass and wasn't like the flowers that was here today and gone tomorrow, but something that would last for a very long time. And here's the thing. They didn't want to just feel better. They actually wanted things to be right again. They wanted their relationship with God to be right again. And they wanted their relationship with others to be right again. And they wanted the things in their world that were broken and violent to be right again. And, and, and what they wanted was what the Jewish people referred to as shalom, which is a deep peace, a lasting peace, but more than peace, a situation in a state in which things are right Things are the way they're supposed to be. Things are the way they were created to be. Things were the way they are or were before people sinned against God. They were searching for shalom. So one day, John's baptizing the people, dunking them into the water, bringing them back up, dunking more into the water, bringing them back up, and he starts to teach, and he actually quotes the passage from Isaiah, the prophet, who lived 800 years earlier, and he's teaching the people who are coming to him from the words of Isaiah, and then he looks over the crowd at one point, and he sees Jesus, and almost nobody knew who Jesus was at this point. But Jesus is seen by John above the crowd, and John says this. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was like, you're coming to me for comfort. You're coming to me to make you feel better. You're coming to me so that I will make things right or that things will be right. What you're really looking for is Jesus. He says, Jesus is the one that you need. You're looking for Jesus, the Lamb of God. Friends, when, when those around us are scared, when those around us are searching for something, are, are sad or broken or experiencing deep disappointment, when they're looking for help, when they're looking for comfort, when all, um, all sorts of things we might say, there's all sorts of things that we might do to try to help. But here's what I want us to consider over the next couple weeks in this season of Advent as we lead up to Christmas. Ultimately, the best thing we can say the only thing that really makes a difference, the best thing we can do, listen, the best we have to offer is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is with you. That's enough. Okay? That's enough. The story of Christmas is the story of God coming to be with us. The fact that Jesus is with us is the best thing we can say, the best we have to offer to anybody, no matter what kind of situation they find themselves in. He is the true source of comfort. Jesus is with you. That's enough. That's got to be enough. 
What do you think the man in this picture is looking for? What do you think he's searching for? Do you see the man? Susan Leeson designed this cool image, and she put a man where the eye goes. Do you see that? What do you think he's looking for? Probably not some counterfeit comfort. Probably not some empty uh, words, some hollow solution. No, he's searching for something deep. He's searching for something that lasts. He's searching for something enduring. He's searching for a peace that reaches into every part of his life, financial peace, peace with his family, peace in his spirit, peace in his relationships. He's looking for peace that lasts, peace that's enduring. He's looking for a, a state of being where everything is right again. He's searching for shalom. The Bible says that Jesus is the word of God that endures forever. The Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Bible says that Jesus is the Sar Shalom. Do you know what that means? Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. And he is with you. And in the end, that is the only source of real comfort. The fact that Jesus is and Jesus is with you, that's where true comfort comes from. Jesus is with you. That's got to be enough. I want to spend some time together in a minute here. We normally say, peace be with you at the passing of the peace. And I just want to make it even more specific and even more um, direct and I want to encourage you here in a minute to stand up and to look somebody in the eye and to shake their hand or give them a hug and say, Jesus is with you. Okay. Jesus is with you. And my prayer for us as a church and as a collection of families and individuals this Christmas season, this Advent, is that we will lean into this familiar truth and that will make a deep difference in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord that you have come to be with us. Thank you that our whole family can be affected, whether we're on the top of the mountain or we're experiencing the darkest days of our life. May your presence make a difference. May you be our peace, our shalom. We look to you for our help and our comfort, believing, Jesus, that you will comfort our souls. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, why don't you stand up with me? We'll take a few minutes. Um, to spend some time saying good morning to one another, welcoming each other together. And as I said, let's look to one another and say, Jesus is with you. May the peace of Christ be always with you. Thank you. Greet one another. Say, Jesus is with you this morning.